Hello listeners, my name is Paula and I'm a book-loving librarian. I see you smile. Yes, librarian isn't a word you hear very often these days. I have two of my colleagues here with me today, Kirsty from Brownlow and Michael from Randallstown. Good morning, everyone. Kirsty, Michael and I are going to shadow the BBC 100 over the next 10 months. Now, when the BBC announced their 100 novels that shaped their world, we watched the live streaming event in some of our libraries. The launch itself, the enthusiasm of the panel and the book choices they made, made me, certainly for one, really, really genuinely interested in this project. At first, the idea of tackling 100 books was pretty daunting. But the list has been broken down into 10 themes, the first one of which is identity. To get the raw rolling, Kirsty, Michael and I have already selected our book to read from The Lucky Dip. The Lucky Dip has 10 titles in the tin and each of us takes a dip. The title retrieved is the title you have to read. Michael, what book did you get? I got Homegoing. Uh, I was less than enthusiastic about uh, my choice initially. I wanted to go with The Bell Jar. I know, Kirsty, you didn't, but... No, I definitely um, didn't. Because... It was one of the few books on the list that I'd heard of before and you know one of the, the reasons doing this kind of thing is to force me to read what you would read normally what read. I'd, yeah. Well things that have been on the long finger to read and maybe the bell jar would have been one of those mm-hmm. but anyway I got Homegoing. It's not a book I'd uh, heard of before this list came along. It is not something I would have gravitated towards. I do go... What's it about? <clears throat> well, it's about a family in Africa at the outset of the slave trade that initially about two sisters that mm. get separated and go on very different paths. The, it's sort of a bit like a family saga? It is um, it is a family saga, but not in the normal kind of mm-hmm. uh, format of a family saga. It's very interesting, though I find it very interesting the way it was written mm-hmm. because it does follow one line of each family member um, right. down the lineage yeah. of this particular family. Is there any overlap? At, at the end. Okay. Uh, only at the end. So it all comes together yeah, at the end? It comes together at the end and what I love about it as well, I know we have a certain amount of time to read these books and I am a very slow reader so I you was talking to Kirsty about this. I looked at the last page, mm-hmm. counted how many pages there were, divided it up by how many days we had you know, to meet again and then I saw how many pages I'd have to read. So there's about 12, 15 pages with each person, which is very doable. Mm-hmm. I used to love those wee programs on a Saturday morning, Mingley Merciless, where it's always a cliffhanger and you can't wait till next Saturday. Well, you know, I was, <laughs> I was, you know, wanted then, I was curious about the next member of the family and how they, yeah, they, yeah. they fared. But, you know, it's, it's grim. There's not a lot of subject humor in matter it. wise. The yes, subject slavery. matter, you know, it, she talks about the slave trade, and the British are very, you know, much to the fore mm-hmm. about how they um, began wars mm-hmm. to get their product. Mm-hmm. Really, is to capture people and to be used as slaves yeah. and the two tribes there. There were not really there, something well, there were African of. tribes, mm-hmm. tribes implicit mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. and um, so it wasn't just the British really. Mm-hmm. Everybody was implicit in that trade. Or guilty. But with regard to identity, did you did you find that there was there a strong theme of the two sisters' identity that sort of came together with the family at the end? It, what I'm saying was it a happy end? And I like a happy end. <laughs> the, the identity didn't really kind of get going until possibly modern day America, until black people were allowed some sense of freedom because they never they never were allowed to have any identity. 
you know, it was so cruel, the lifestyle they had. There was no such thing as the benevolent slave owner, you know. Mm -hmm. They were whipped, they were thrown in jail, they were starved. And the way they were piled up in dungeons on top of each other. And, you know, things she mentioned that um, they were going to the toilet over the top of each other and things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's grim. It's really awful. But... You know, it was a book that, that opened my eyes, yeah. you know, and it was very well written and there's no... Would you recommend it to anyone? I certainly would. I'd recommend it, yeah. I think it's a very good read. Um, 300 pages. Very quick read. Mm-hmm. For me, it never really flagged. There's reviewers that, you know, critics have had a go at it for various reasons, but as a read, the general, ordinary general public, I think they'd find it a very good read, very interesting, opens your eyes, will enlighten you to some of the history, and especially what's going on in America at the minute. Yeah. You know, I've, I've read other books. There's a book, a young adult book I had to read for, for a thing we're doing in the library called um, The Hate You Give. Oh. It's just called Thug. Yes. It's a very good book. Yes, it is. Um, But it doesn't really, um, you know, there's there's not this sense of where this anger has come from. Mm -hmm. It is an anger that comes out of the ghetto and the way police are treating blacks in America at the the moment. But with this book, you know, you can feel it pulsating through Through the history, through the generations and the injustice, you know, so it's a book that definitely has a potential to make you change the way you think yeah. about things you know. that's, a, that's so interesting yeah. Kirsty what, what, what did you get? the book I selected from the tin was The Bell Jar and out of the list of 10 books under identity this was the one I had heard about and the one I really didn't want to get. There's very few books that I start to read and don't finish, and this had been one of those. Previously? Uh, previously, yeah, all oh, years ago, oh, years right, ago. Right. And basically the, the plot of the book revolves around a character of Esther, and in relation to the theme of identity, it's basically she is trying to find her place in her world, and she's trying to match her expectations with what she is actually happening. And it's based in America in the 1950s. And on the surface, Esther is a very attractive young lady, very talented. She's had a lot of opportunity. The book opens and she's had the opportunity to go to a summer school. You're thinking this is great. Mm-hmm. But when you're reading it, there's always like a sad undertone the whole way through so you find out that Esther suffers from poor mental health and the book is about her spiraling down into this poor mental health and I things I like to read are like fantasy and I like to when I read a book escapism I don't like realism too much reality yes I like to be taken away to a place that's magical mythical that nobody's getting hurt, nobody's experiencing pain, nobody's sad. I like a happy ending. I find this book incredibly difficult to read. I find the subject matter of how she was treated in, she gets so bad, she attempts to take her life in several different ways. Well, four four main different ways. She tries to drown herself, hang herself. She attempts to slit her wrist, ends up cutting her car. Yeah, so that's the final one. She goes down into the basin and takes a final uh, amount of pills and it ends up in a mental asylum. The good thing I suppose about this book and why it was probably chosen is because it's also like a social commentary of what's happening in the t- at that time because it shows that there are two alternatives. You're, you're really led to believe like there are good mental institutions and really poor ones and like you have said with you know being in a dungeon or but there was 
asylums that were poor living conditions and people not treated well. Nowadays, though, the things that happened to her wouldn't really... No. Like there was, there was ele- ECT, which is electroconvulsive oh, yes. therapy. That wouldn't happen. Hopefully, well, I don't think that's still practised, certainly. But it's a big of its time, the 1960s. Yeah. And I think it shows, you know, she was, again, lucky in that a benevolent benefactor who had paid for her scholarship, then paid for her to go to a private institution. So she was very lucky she got this compassionate mm-hmm. nurse as opposed to the first time she had the... That's actually where mm-hmm. I stopped reading it. Mm-hmm. The first time was when she got the electrotherapy yes. and I thought, do you know what, life's too short to uh, yeah. be reading things like this. Was it a trigger that um, started her depression? She wanted... Gradually through the book? Yeah, the sort of the main thing, she was um, an aspiring writer and poet and... When when she came home from this summer school she'd wanted to go to a writing school and she had been rejected she she was just trying to find herself but it was you know she didn't know she explores different things you know she's trying to work out what she wants to do with her life her career and she's also trying to work out her personal relationships you know, she... Um, She's just pretty mixed up, I think. Yeah, and I think a theme through it was becoming a woman. And Even her relationship with men, she sort of wanted to take it to... It was like um, it was like a rite of passage yes. to have a relationship with a man and how that progressed. And she tried to move things forward and that didn't happen. And then she was let down by a boyfriend who had gone with someone else whenever she was away. And, and it, 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 it was like it wasn't like things progress naturally in her head there was different things she should be trying to do at certain times mm-hmm. and i think i loved whenever um i thought about it the title the bell jar the fact that it's a big glass jar it's a closed environment underneath it i thought that was a smart title because she was like inside this and you know people couldn't at times people couldn't touch her and she couldn't reach other people mm-hmm. and she felt very isolated and I thought that was really good. I find it very difficult to read. I'd, I have to say, anybody anybody who has been in contact with me as I've been reading it will know I go, I hate this book. I hate this book. I don't want to be reading this book. It's horrendous. I have lost too many hours of my life reading this book. But I have to say... Did you think it was well written? I didn't think it was well written. I thought it jumped about a good bit. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know if it was done purposely to yes, reflect... Yes, I was going to say that. Her mental her state. Mental that's state. what I felt. I know and the book. That's what I felt when yeah, I read it. And maybe I think when I first read it, I read it as a superficial reader. Mm-hmm. And because the subject matter wasn't something I enjoy, I potentially kept myself very distant, distant from, from the, the characters, very distant from the subject matter. I didn't... I get quite emotional about books, like a cry and a laugh and a... I didn't want to be dragged down with this person. And I know that sounds very personal, but that's the type of reader I am. And I didn't want to get dragged down with her. I kept thinking, no, I don't want to go there with you. Putting these two books side by side, you know, there's people in in this book that don't have a choice in life. And she thinks she's in a a bell Mm -hmm. jar. But you sometimes think, if you came from reading that book to reading that book, you just might think, look at all the choices you have in life. But it's maybe about clinical depression, which you don't have a choice over. I think for her, she didn't recognise that, that what a privileged position she was in. Mm-hmm. When she was when she was looking, when she was in New York, and she was sort of envious. There was like two friends, and one was like a bit of a party goer, a bit rebellious. And she just couldn't quite bring herself to be rebellious with them. And then there was a the more conventional friend. And who was happy and jolly, and she couldn't connect with her either. That's you like know. identity of um, 
like teenagers that haven't found themselves, you no, know? No, but I think it just shows mental health now is not a taboo subject the way it was at the time this book was written. I yes. think it was published in 1963 or yeah. something. And I kept thinking, right, we watched the uh, live streaming and the panel chose this book. And I, keep, I kept thinking, of all the books in the world, why would they choose this book? Why would they want this book to be in this list? What makes this book so important that it needs to be a pride of place in this 10 books and I thought right I'm obviously missing something and I sort of then reflected a wee bit when I'd finished reading it I sort of reflected a wee bit I find out a wee bit more about the author and you find out that the book was sort of semi-biographical and autobiographical and then you find out that actually a month after it was published she the author actually committed suicide so I think it was chosen because it's a social commentary of the time was more about women's rights it was about your place in the world and I think I can now appreciate why it's important I appreciate why it's on the list I appreciate it's tackling a very difficult subject a lot of people don't always like to talk about so just as an overview of it I, when I was reading it, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. But you appreciate it. I appreciate it now. I think whenever the, the panel talked as well about some of them like to reread books, I think it also would depend where you, what place you, when I first read it, I didn't even have the patience to try and get to the end. I did read it all because I wanted to be able to have read it, to be able to talk about it and, you know, have a chat with you about it. I think now that I maybe know a wee bit more about the background and the author and her marriage and her life and and maybe appreciate the social context of it a wee bit more, I think I might reread it to see if that would help me connect. Not not soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would try to read again because I think I maybe didn't give it the chance it deserved because it was so out of my comfort well, that's zone. One, that's one of the great things about this this list. It's meant to be a talking point yeah. mm-hmm. um, and to, to read something that you wouldn't normally read and then Sometimes, um, chat about it. So it depends with the eyes you're reading that, you know, at, at the, the time. time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a much younger person or possibly at that period in history, you know, when women's rights and things. And I suppose sometimes knowing a wee bit more around the book afterwards. But the thing about it was that's an effort. Yes. You know, that is an effort. Would you do that with every book you read? No, you wouldn't. No, you no. wouldn't. This you is do just it. your reaction. You know, yes, it's, know, it was a challenge for me. I feel that I have come through it. <laughs> and I, you know, have an appreciation for it. Well, I got Beloved by Toni Morrison. And I was really pleased at getting this book because it's a title I knew and an author I knew, but I'd never actually read it before. It was kind of like on my bucket list. Um, The subject matter is slavery and racism. The book is about this slave who has escaped with her family and rather than be enslaved again, having been caught, she murders her own daughter and takes a knife to her throat. And for me, I was absolutely horrified being a mother myself. How could you do that? This is just so appalling. Mm. But it's about more the daughter's name. Daughter has no name. And beloved is the word that is on the gravestone. And the lady cannot, Seth, the mother, cannot remember much about the sermon except dearly beloved. And that's why the child's grave is called beloved. 
So a single lonely word is where her child lies in the grave. But it's all about, in the social context, it's more about a mother's freedom to choose destiny of her children and your own right to determine your own life. And she was making, if you like, a stand against slavery and racism and the life that they were born into. And women were bought up so that they would reproduce and produce a whole army of slaves for the landlords. But Beloved comes back in a spirit to her and emits love for what for her daughter and guilt at what she had done by ending her own daughter's life. It's a spiritual book, it's magical, um, it's not a subject I enjoyed reading about, but I did admire the black people were very kind, very gentle, generous, loving. And that came out in the book. Oh, absolutely, definitely. Even through all the hardship. Absolutely, definitely. Human nature human still. Nature and their kindness towards giving food for one another, even though food kindness was so hardship, scarce. And that comes through in this book. And what came across very strongly was their absolute fear and hatred, but most fear of white people. You are never safe with a white man. There wasn't a good landlord or a good master. You know, they were only ever a material object. There's some humour in it, which I enjoyed as well. Their names, for example. The guy who delivered things was called Stampede. And there were strange names like um, Seth's mother-in-law was called Baby Suggs. Um, They have a dog called Hereboy. (laughs) I just love that generally though it's not a book I would have enjoyed I didn't enjoy the subject matter I was quite horrified about the neck braces and the braces in their teeth what do you mean in their teeth in their jaws to determine when they could eat and then they were neck braced together and they put ankle bracelets on so they couldn't lie and they're just the the physical the physical treatment of slaves no wonder she ran away And actually, having read it, you might decide that you may take me. Do you know this, you know, what a mother will do for her daughter? You will take me, but you will not take my daughter. So she was enslaved again. Now, the actual, another interesting fact is Toni Morrison came across this article about a Margaret Garner. And this actually was a real life fact. And she built the story around that. Something that happened in happened real life. Happened in the 1850s, yes. She, she came across it when she was researching. Researching about around that subject of slavery. Now, she herself, obviously, Toni Morrison's a black female writer herself. Like, could this book have been written by a white writer? I don't actually believe it. I think you would need to have so. been. Yeah. The passion, the love and all of the characteristics of the black people shine through. And I actually even love the spiritual magical. The lady herself, I've only I've never read any of her books, but when the book was very popular and a bestseller, she was on a lot of talk shows yes. and things. She's quite an avuncular woman and warm and quite humorous mm-hmm. herself. You know, does that come across in her writing? Yes, it does. Yes, mm. yes, it does. And as I said earlier, you know, um, if I had the pages marked, but there's basically lines like, you know, you're never safe with a white man and we're always slaves. And you're right, they didn't even have names or they just about knew roughly what month of the year they were born. There were the exact same lines in parts of this book as well. Mm. And, you know, um, there was one character in this book um, who, after the Civil War, had gained his freedom, but was rearrested. I think for not crossing, there were black people could have been arrested for not crossing the road whenever a, a white woman was present. Mm-hmm. And okay, the slave trade had uh, ended, but you know jails were plundered for people with trumped up charges to be sent down into coal mines. You had to work off your prison sentence. For a prison sentence maybe 15 years of a prison sentence for not crossing the road or just for maybe asking a question of a white officer and you know if you survived that Mm -hmm. um the lung diseases and things that they had the the, just the the 
the fear that black people had of white people yes. because even after slavery really they still had that power over over black people and you know the and when you think about it it's not really that long ago you know mm-hmm. it's the fact that these books are still being written as a legacy of that and it's still affecting people and you know the writers are obviously emotionally moved to let people know this is what happened and this is the experiences that they had to live through and this was day-to-day life like my day-to-day life our children's day-to-day life they wouldn't experience or even believe any of this type of treatment mm-hmm. would be possible but I was just thinking, like, in response to identity, you were saying about their language, and, and yeah. that was funny, and the way that they I, talked. I love that, yeah. Do you think that it did it come through that they clung to that, because that's something no one could take away yes, from them, unique. and that's that's part of their cultural identity? But it is part of their identity. You know, so the, did the you find that was... Yes, I did. Certainly it was so well written. Yeah. So, as, as I say, it's the subject matter I didn't enjoy. I just knew I should, should read it. I did want to read it, and I was glad... Um, I had read it, and certainly um, I've learned a lot more from re- from the reading experience. Um, would I recommend it to someone? Actually, yes, I think I would. For me, while I cried real tears when I picked this book out of the tin, I am glad that I did finish reading it this time, and it has helped me get a better understanding of the author. Um, homegoing, uh, not a, a book I would have chosen myself, but... I have no hesitation in recommending it to anyone. It's simply written, easy to follow, and it gives you a firm understanding of certainly what's happening in America today. Um, and I wouldn't mind having a wee dip into um, African history now after reading that. So, yep, thoroughly recommend Homegoing. That's great, Michael and Kirsty. That was really quite positive. Now, moving on, the theme for February is, not surprisingly, love, sex and romance. There are ten titles there. I'll I'll give you a rundown of the first five. Bridget Jones' Diary by Helen Fielding. Forever by Judy Bloom. Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Riders by Jilly Cooper. (laughs) What do either of you two think of that? Um, Anything you'd avoid? Well, out of the five that you've mentioned, I've only read one, which is Pride and Prejudice, which I absolutely love. And have reread many times. Michael, what about you? Well, I've always thought that Pride and Prejudice was probably not a book that a guy would want to read. But a- any um, book with a bit of a buzz about it, um, because I'm a librarian, I feel I-, I should read it. You know, Harry Potter's came about. I felt, you know, okay, it's a, a junior book. If you want to recommend something, it's best you read it. So I have never read Pride and Prejudice, so I wouldn't mind having a, a, go, at, a go, at that. go at that. Michael, would you like to... Let us know what the next five are on the list. Next five. Okay. Uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. The Four Pavilions by MMK. The Forty Rules of Love by Elif Sharfak. The Passion by Jeanette Winterson. And The Slaves of Solitude by Patrick Hamilton. Mm. What does anybody think of those? Well, the Far Pavilions is a bit of a doorstep, isn't it? It's, it's huge. As in a thick, a thick book? I think it? it's a thick book, yeah. Okay, we don't it's... want that one then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid that. Um, again, I've heard of some of these authors. I haven't read any of them. As part of the 100 novels, uh, the BBC also did a programme about women writers. And there was a whole part about their eyes were watching God and they were talking about the author so if 
there was one selected. I would like. You'd like that? I think I would quite like to, because there was explained a wee bit about the author, which uh, from the first time I find obviously helps me if I know a wee bit more about the author. I think it would help me engage with, I think it might be challenging, but the authors that were on the programme talking about it really loved it and said it was a very good book of its time. Of the first five, I would just love to get writers. It's a book I always wanted to read, but was too embarrassed for Your anybody <laughs> to see in my pocket. <laughs> I have read Giovanni's Room, so it'll probably not be great if I get that again. And Judy Bloom Forever, I always well, possibly misinterpreted that as a children's book, but maybe it's a young adult. Yeah, I would have. When I looked at that, I thought it was a younger, I know she writes for younger children, you know. And of the second five, the only one I would like to get would be <laughs> The Passion by Jeanette Winterson, because I do like Jeanette Winterson as a writer. So let's do the lucky dip. Woo! <laughs> and Michael, you will draw first. Okay. Then Kirsty, and then me. <sighs> Go, go. And don't open it until we tell you to. So just <laughs> lift out your piece of paper. Raw, I know. Just get a big stick out. Lucky be a lady. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay. What am I looking for? Their eyes were watching. Their eyes were watching. Come on, come on. Now, Michael, what did you get? Ta da! Ah, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, <laughs> very good. Well done, me. Well done, you. I have got The 40 Rules of Love by Elif <laughs> Sharfrak. Sorry. And I have got Bridget Jones' Diary by Helen Fielding, Easy which one. will be tricky because it'll kind of possibly be ruined by the fact that it's been out in on a film. And, the film so and I think it was such a popular book of its time. And it, it was one of those books that really had a big social impact. And, you know, everybody was reading it at the time. All I can remember is Big Knickers. <laughs> yes, yeah, Big Knickers. <laughs> but I think it portrays real women. With real, real life, with real knickers, <laughs> you know, with real sort of like issues, and it's not, uh, you know, a glossed over version. I, I think it should be good. But this, I have absolutely no idea. So, looks I, oriental from the cover. Yeah, um, Middle Eastern maybe. Middle so, Eastern. Um, well, it's going to be interesting. We'll give it a go. Okay, that's great. Well, that's it for now. We three need to get reading. But remember, you can catch up with us next month and hear how we get on with love, sex and romance. We'll also be selecting the titles for March and the theme is adventure. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review and subscribe and chat about this on social media at hashtag mybooklife. You can also find more about this at libraryzni.org.uk. Until the next time. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And bye from me. Bye.